here in the heart of the jungle, we find one of the most interesting creatures of its kind. Amazon PPC Advertising. Buried deep amongst the undergrowth with its campaigns and targeting, lay hazards like keywords without conversions, unprofitable ad spend, and a mountain of ever-evolving complexity. But if you look beyond the obstacles of life here, there is hope and opportunity. We will journey to every corner of Amazon ads to explore and share the greatest treasures the jungle has to offer. This is the Amazon PPC Den Podcast. What's going on, Badger Nation? Welcome to the PPC Den Podcast, your home for all things Amazon advertising, tips, tricks, and strategies to make your life on Amazon advertising a little bit easier, a little bit more profitable. Today, I've got a spooky friend, and we're going to tell spooky stories about Amazon advertising when it gets scary, because welcome to the Halloween episode of the PPC Den Podcast. Elizabeth Green, my incredibly talented friend from jungler welcome back to the show thanks for having me back i'm a, i always get excited when i get to come on the ad badger podcast so it is a pleasure to have you i too get excited as does badger nation i'm sure also elizabeth thank you so much for uh participating in this if you're watching this on youtube you will see a virtual background that yes. we set up uh you you went with a uh, how would you describe your background for those listening on the podcast? Um, it is a purple with a moon, mm. and it has, I don't know if it will be on screen, but it has adorable little pumpkins. It's yes, maybe, it's a spooky, yes. Yes. Spooky pumpkins. The moon is very spooky. There's bats flying around, uh, and of course, there's uh, adorable little pumpkins. I would call them spooky pumpkins, but adorable and spooky. <laughs> And yes, I went with a uh, green... I want to go with a haunted pumpkin yard at night. Very sp- Also a spooky moon. <laughs> yes. uh, in case you haven't been able to tell yet, this is the spooky episode of the PPC Den podcast. And we're going to break down the 10 spookiest things that can happen in your Amazon advertising account. Yes. Let's jump into it. All right, Elizabeth. Top 10 spookiest things, scariest things inside PPC accounts. The first one we came up with was inactivity. Yes. Inactivity. Tell me the last, because we're sort of telling spooky stories. Tell Mm -hmm. me a spooky story from an Amazon account that you saw that had a lot of inactivity. First of all, what does that even mean? Yes. Inactivity means nothing done. (laughs) <laughs> nothing changed, nothing checked. It was set up and never touched. And I've mm-hmm. actually seen this on an audit once. Um, so for those of you who don't know, there's something wonderful nowadays inside an ad account called the history tab. It actually allows you to go lifetime and see what's been done in an account. If you ever want to go check or if you want to check what you did and you forgot, there's a way to go (laughs) and dissect that. Um, I actually went, it was a smaller marketplace. I think it was 
France or so. Um, not mm-hmm. a big market for the brand. It was a very large brand, plenty of products, lots of ways for things to get lost. But the account, um, the ads were set up. I want to say it was only autos and it had not been touched. Ooh. And I'm talking two years. That is it just very ran. spooky. Yes. yes. That's, I'm picturing a haunt, like an old house with cobwebs everywhere. Yes. Inactivity. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's a big one. And I mean, I, I almost view it like, uh, you're, you know, you're charting a course in a sailboat and like you never recalibrate your direction due to like yeah. wind speeds or market <laughs> conditions. And you just like go in the wrong direction. Yeah. Inactivity is something that continues to plague Amazon accounts even to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I, I almost feel like it happens accidentally. Dentally, like mm-hmm. people don't realize they haven't done any action and they'll say things like oh i have been too busy i haven't been able to get around with that mm-hmm. and it happens a lot too when like maybe a company or a product just for whatever reason has a higher than average conversion rate and they just sort of set it and forget their campaigns and like the campaigns are sometimes like not bad enough to pay attention to right like yeah maybe the person's targeting like a 40 percent, 30 percent a cost and, you know, they're only at like 50, 60. And they're just like, ah, I haven't been able to get around to it. They had a high margin product. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, like their organic was really high. They never paid attention. So like almost like if campaigns are really bad, they like pay attention and they like get work mm-hmm. done. But like when campaigns are like, uh, I see this a lot with like a campaign that has like a hero keyword carrying yeah. the entire campaign. They're like, ah, that campaign is fine. It's I don't fine. need to do yes. anything. And then you yeah. click into it and you see like hundreds of keywords with like 90% ACoS all being propped up by like one amazing keyword. Inactivity has reared its ugly head. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. A cool stat that I love to share. There's a company called WordStream from the Google ad space. And they like studied like tens of thousands of campaigns. And Google ads has changed history too. And one thing they determined was like, they had this tool where you would like plug in and it said how much, how many actions you had per day over the last month and what your target goal was. Tens of thousands of accounts and there's a strong positive correlation between like doing a lot of activity and hitting your goal. I always say like, ever since I heard that like years and years ago, it was like the number one factor to success for a PPC campaign. Actually, I think has less to do with what you know and more has to do with like how active you are because even if you don't know a lot if you just go in there you look at it you make actions you take you take action and you try to fix it your account will eventually end up in a better spot faster than if you're not doing anything you might know the most Mm -hmm. but if you're not doing anything what's it all for yeah i i would agree with that i think i've put out several posts on linkedin about it doesn't matter (laughs) how much you know if you're not taking action on it and that goes, I mean, life everywhere. Like you want, you want to be learning and then you need to start apply that learning to see any benefit whatsoever. If it all just lives in your head, it, you might as well just not have learned it. Already Elizabeth, the second spookiest thing that we have today is forgetting to check your percentage of ad spend that does not have conversions. We all have I mean, with the account of with the amount of accounts that we see, I'm sure you have 
dozens of examples of like looking at people's campaigns and then being shocked and scared like a jump scare in a movie once you finally crunch that number of how many how much ad spend was going towards non-converting yes oh absolutely and it's funny as we were going through this list like we were kind as we're compiling it both of us were like, oh, what's the scariest thing? And I think with each one that went down, we're like, oh, oh, yeah. Because yeah. as like ad, um, ad enthusiasts, you know, like we see these scenarios and every time you see something like this, your heart just like drops. Um, yeah. And the first thing in activity, honestly, it kind of touches all these points we're going to talk to. It's just not digging in somewhere in your account to like find that out. Um, because if you're not checking what's not converting, again, I don't care how optimized your account is. Every account is going to have this and it should just be on your checklist. Even if you just say, hey, once a month, I'm gonna dig in and just figure out where the inactivity is. Maybe your usual optimization cadences should take care of, you know, maybe 80% of this. But if you just dig in one day, you do the math on it and you figure out, oh, maybe this particular product is losing out because there's nothing converting for it. Or maybe I notice across my account, I just don't convert very well for category targeting. Or there's all these things and because each brand, each product, each account is going to have its nuances. Some of them lend themselves very well to sponsor brand ads. Some of them struggle with sponsor brand ads. And it's not that the ad type doesn't work or you eventually through a lot of this stuff will start to discover the things that do work for your account, for your products. But you gotta, you gotta go look at it. You gotta do, you know, you gotta do that analysis. You gotta figure out where that is. And then honestly, that helps you get better with management. Yeah, this one is so scary because anyone who's managing PPC, whether they're managing their own account or doing it as a service, this is one thing that like literally shends, sends shivers down your spine because it's like, oh no, like did I forget to, you know, because it takes a little bit of work to get this. In most cases, mm -hmm. you have to like download and, and the tip here is like, you should do it at the smallest level, right? Mm -hmm. So you might have a keyword that has orders, but you want to go down to the search term level mm -hmm. because a keyword might have orders, but that keyword might have $200 of spend without orders uh, due to all the different variations that it could trigger. So like doing it at the smallest level and like once you download that search term report, you run that filter, you know, spend greater than zero, orders equals zero. Mm -hmm. Once you do that and you finally get that sum, it's really scary. You're like, wait a second. I spent $10,000 and $6,000 last month where didn't even go to things with conversions. Incredibly scary. Very spooky. We've all got scary stories about this. And it can really torpedo an account's success. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say yes. 100%. Alrighty, Elizabeth, what do we have for the third spookiest thing inside Amazon PPC campaigns? Yes, this is one of those things, it is very easy to slip by because like a lot of things you go through, you set it up once, you're like, oh, I did it, I took care of it. And you forget to go and recheck it. <laughs> um, and that would be placement percentages. So it might be 
that you just haven't even checked into leveraging placement percentages for your brand. Um, you might have some keywords that are absolutely crushing it on top of search and you just haven't leveraged that um, for those targets. And so that would be something. But then another one I see a lot is people will go through, uh, commonly, I mean, it's not too uncommon. People will go through and put like a slight top of search increase if they're going after something aggressively. Maybe it's a ranking keyword. I may or may not agree with that. It really depends on the strategy. But that's, I mean, it's not uncommon that you launch something with a placement percentage already there or you go through maybe when your conversion rate was a little better and you're like, oh my gosh, top of search is crushing it. Like 200%, mm -hmm. let's go. And then you forget to recheck it. Yeah. Because... Your bits might be fine. It, it and it it is possible to have your A cost fine at a keyword level, but then if you go into the top of search placements, all of a sudden you're recognizing like I'm overspending on something that has double, triple the A cost target that I have, mm -hmm. and it's not it's not unusual. So I mean, you you really this is this is a very commonly overlooked place and accounts that honestly can get get out of control pretty fast if you're not on top of it big time yeah it's a spooky thing that i'm always trying to find which is like because we're as ppc optimizers we're always looking for things that are like under optimized or like mm -hmm. over optimized like you're either doing too much of it and you should be doing less or you're not doing enough of it so you know, the scary thing here is like you have, you're leaving money on the table mm -hmm. because you didn't look, you didn't realize that you had a top of search placement that was too low. And you're like, oh, like if I had this higher, I would get a better position and like dramatically increase my sales for that keyword uh, or campaign. On the flip side of it, there's a lot of like sort of like knee jerk optimizations that happen where it's like launch a campaign, 250% top of search, never check it. Uh, which yeah. is related to our first one, you know, inactivity, right? Like you never go back and recheck it. And then you end up with top of search is like 80% ACoS and you didn't want to be that high for that particular yeah. campaign. So yes, campaigns that still don't have placement bid settings or placement bid settings that were never changed. That's our third scariest thing. All right, this next one is something that I think is a new scary thing here. Uh, you know, we've got in, in, in the scary universe, we've got like the werewolf, the zombie, the mummy. This is another thing that I think is brand new uh, that's happening more and more, which is never opening up market analysis tools to check for trends, to see how you are moving either up and down in your market. Is your market growing or shrinking? Are you growing and shrinking relative to your market? And that leads to yeah a lot of issues so yeah. when you think about ppc you know you have the sort of top level king metrics which is like acos spend you know total acos is related as well and the th the thing that is scary that i see people do is they will make very big decisions about those things how much should I be spending? Like, let me change mm -hmm. my budget on a fundamental level. Let me try to use PPC to change my total ACoS on a fundamental level without checking in with the market. And I think at one point in time, it was okay to not do this uh, or not, it was, well, it was never okay, but it was mm -hmm. a little bit more understandable because you kind of had to get a lot of this market analysis from third-party tools. Mm -hmm. And now... 
lot of that market information is available in tools that we've talked about on this podcast, like the Product Opportunity Explorer, Brand Metrics, Search Query Performance Dashboard. There's no reason to not know how you are doing for a product, for a keyword, for a niche relative to competitors in your space now. No excuse. And uh, it's very scary when people are kind of like flying blind without mm-hmm. that info. Uh, yeah. Have you made have you made a lot of use of those sort of new market analysis tools in like your day to day week to week work, uh, like search query performance dashboard, brand metrics, yeah. product opportunity explorer? Yeah, um, I would say they're amazing. Especially love brand metrics because one of the things that that information tells you is true. Like, how are you doing versus your competition? Mm-hmm. Um, which is is really important to know, especially nowadays that competition has just gotten more fierce uh, unfortunately uh i know a lot of people kind of bemoan the fact that cost per clicks have gone up like things mm-hmm. are just more expensive cost per clicks are going up and a lot of times i kind of see like fish shaking at amazon like oh darn you you know you're mm-hmm. just trying to take take more of our margins and mm-hmm. like it's not actually amazon that's raising cost per clicks they put an auction in place and it's honestly your competition that's saying, hey, I'm willing to pay double what I was last year for this placement. I see value in this placement. Um, and if you're not constantly assessing the placements that you are willing and you find value in for your brand and to kind of keep up with that market, you're honestly going to start falling behind. Um, yeah. And the unfortunately, one of the lagging things that will happen is your total sales decreasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually and sometimes that can take a couple months to catch up sometimes you see, you know you feel the impact sooner rather than later um, but that's one of the things that we've seen a lot is people you know just not running that analysis on how is my market doing what are what is my competition doing how should i be adjusting based on the current market um and yeah, it's again, it, it's kind of scary sometimes when you do that analysis and recognize I no longer have prime placements on my top keywords and therefore my ranking mm-hmm. fail and therefore my total sales fail. And sometimes the the correction for that, I'll be honest, as you walk through that, sometimes can be quite painful. Where if you're continuously like going through this analysis, keeping up with it, you you tend to not make as knee-jerk reactions and you the account shows more stability in the long run. Yeah. And it, it's also very scary too because it leads to like optimizing the wrong things or over-optimizing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, because you're really not finding the root cause of things. Mm-hmm. Like it's very possible that if your market is changing, you could theoretically have a better Amazon advertising account. Like your ACoS could be better, uh, your sales could be up for your PPC, but it's possible that you're losing market share on the organic mm-hmm. front. Um, so if you are only looking at like your total ACoS on a account level and like not seeing where you're, you're, you fit into the overall market, you may be making the wrong choices. Like if mm-hmm. your total ACoS is up, you might be shrinking your campaign spend when in actuality, your PPC is actually better than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, got to pay attention to those market trends. And this is actually very closely related to our fifth one coming up next. All right, Elizabeth, this one was yours. So yes. what do we have for number five in terms of the frightening parts of Amazon advertising? Yes, um, this is kind of 
I would say similar to the scenario you were talking about earlier with, um, you know, keywords or maybe some things propping up other things that are not going so great in the account. And so the fifth one is not checking product level ACoS and total ACoS. And mm -hmm. why this can be terrifying sometimes is often when you do the math, you will find that there's areas of the account, there's products that you might actually be losing money on and you weren't aware of it because, you know, totally at the account level, everything looks great. Everything's fine. There's money coming in and mm -hmm. you're not really, you know, diving down into your entire catalog to determine like, hey, is everything going great? Or are there some things that maybe I want to pay more attention to? Um, so I would say this is really, really important um, to... If you are trying to wrap your head around the account, oftentimes it's much easier to look at things on an account level. I get it, you know, it does simplify things a lot and I mm -hmm. still don't think you should disregard account level numbers. But what I think you should be doing as you get more savvy, as you kind of understand how the mechanism works, you can then carry down that information onto an individual product level um, and then start to really, really understand what's going on. Big time. And like the scary thing here is Tracking total ACoS on a, an account level. So mm -hmm. like that's for your entire business. Tracking ACoS for your entire business. And then only using those metrics to determine your spend mm -hmm. next month. Or to go in and find it. Then you go in and find a, a campaign with a high ACoS and you change that. Mm -hmm. Without looking at, well, what is the per product ACoS? Per product total ACoS to identify where you should spend more, where you should spend less, where you should go harder, where you should uh, ease up a little bit. So again, PPC is nothing more than a game of like figuring out where you should amplify, figuring out where you should uh, minimize. So like if you're not doing it on a more granular level uh, and you begin to make changes uh, just based off the account level, that's pretty frightening. Oh, and that's what we're talking uh, about here. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, number six, really bad campaign structure is still scary. It's still scary to yes. this day. I think this is one of the hardest topics to talk about, to synthesize, to provide guidance on. Um, and I've actually changed the way that I describe this. Uh, and I'm curious on your thoughts on this. <clears throat> so bad campaign structure, it's very scary. Mm -hmm. uh, it's scary for so many reasons. And I think the reasons why it's scary... I was doing a lot of thinking about this and like trying to describe it. Like maybe we should do a full episode on campaign structure, but I feel like the reason campaign structure is bad and gets scary is because you have a lot of different things, different in terms of relevance and different in terms of performance, mm -hmm. sharing the same budget, the same placement settings, or potentially strangling one another in situations where like, things are stealing impressions and clicks from other things in that same campaign. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about that take on like what makes a campaign structure bad and scary? Yeah, Any other I reason? would say for me, the root thing that makes it scary and almost some sometimes like heart dropping to try and unravel mm -hmm. is yeah. when you have things that you want to control maybe up or down, and you lack the ability yeah. to gain that control. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's for me what gets scary. So, um, like our kind of like rule of thumb is if it's working, it's working. And we try not to, I wouldn't say touch it, move it too much. Mm. That's a generally good practice when it comes to the Amazon advertising platform because there's nuances of new campaign launches taking a little while to start up. It, it The Amazon ad platform, again, it's, it's kind of finicky like that. Every ad platform has its like weird quirks and that's one of the things with Amazon advertising. So if you keep that principle in mind, ideally you would not be moving keywords around, moving products around. You know, you would want to set up a structure that you can again control in a way, you know, as best as we possibly can given the current structure. And I think the scariest scenario for me is when I have a campaign with multiple ad groups mm-hmm. and I want to control one of the ad. A very common scenario is like exact phrase and broad ad groups. And maybe I have some keywords in the exact match that I'm like, these are my ranking keywords. They are performing so well here. I would love to like maximize these. I would love to give them more budget. I would love to do my placement percentages. Maybe those are very underutilized because of the current structure. I just lack the ability to give that exact match ad group the love and the nurturing I really want to because I have to be okay with whatever I said at the account level filtering down to all the other ad groups. And honestly, the scariest thing is when the other two ad groups are also performing well, but I don't necessarily want to increase those. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give them our budget. I don't want to give them placements because that's not kind of the strategy or what makes sense for management of that particular match type but i'm kind of stuck because they're both performing well yes but i just i don't have that control in the current structure and it's kind of like a catch 22 do you move them do you not move them i don't want to hurt performance but yet again i really want to maximize performance on these and it's just it's honestly sticky yeah i mean bad campaign structure all of those things that you said, you know, hundreds and hundreds of keywords in a campaign, tons of ad groups in a campaign, um, placement bid settings that shouldn't be applied to tons of keywords and all of those kinds of things. Ad groups are coming to sponsor brand ads, which mm-hmm. may just hurt campaign structure even more as people all we throw in see. more. Yeah, we'll, we will see. see. I'm interested to uh, see let- how that will play into split testing, if that's even possible. We'll, we'll see. Yes. Uh, Let's jump to number seven. Alrighty, the seventh eeriest thing, never using negative keywords or never checking negatives. Uh, Yeah, this is related to our second point here, which was forgetting to check your percentage of ad spend that doesn't have conversions. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we've all had that scary moment where we download a search term report and we see a search term that doesn't apply to our product uh, a product target that isn't even close to relevant for our product, something that's spent, you know, $300 without an order, it's time for a negative. So not seeing, like seeing those things happening, mm-hmm. that's a scary event. But uh, here we are, 2022, coming out, coming around the corner to 2023. We still have people that um, maybe don't use negatives or never look for new opportunity to add negatives. Have you experienced this in 2022 is this still happening for you 
Yeah, I, and I think it's one of those things that you were talking about. Like if everything's looking great and you're like, hey, everything's great. I don't have to worry about it. I actually saw one account. Um, we were helping them out with an audit and, you know, top line, the, the, the campaign looked great. You know, like it cost was well below target. Sales were up, everything. But you went and looked at the, uh, you know, you went and looked at the search term tab, which is something commonly um, we'll look at and you know there was a couple search terms that got over I think one had 200 clicks and one had 400 clicks without a conversion I mean to me I'm like that is well beyond the bounds of this obviously the market is telling us it does not work for the product like it is blatantly obvious um, that we should find a way to not have our ads show here um, but again Sometimes if everything is working and you don't want to, even if you really don't believe in aggressive negation of things. And I, I probably would put myself somewhat into that camp. But again, you're going to come up with the scenarios which far more clicks than you think make sense for the brand. Or very often you might have a relevant term, say in an automatic campaign, that is generating you know, eating up the bulk of your ad spend, it's a new launch, you can't afford to be aggressive on that target at this point, you know, ACOS is over 200%, it's sucking up all the budget, just by adding that one negative, you can allow that auto campaign to like breathe, go out and find new keywords, go somewhere else in the market, and you're not just like sucking it all into something that you're obviously proving doesn't work for the product at this time. And maybe you can revisit it later, but right now it's not the right call. And you can do that through a negative keyword. Um, so I think negatives definitely have their time and place if they're strategically deployed. Um, but if you're not checking, if you know, like all this stuff, a lot of it is inactivity. If you're not doing that analysis, if you're not at least going through downloading a search to report, what in my account is not converting? Because these are the things that are not even generating sales for us. And so sometimes we generate sales, it's at higher ACOS than we want. Okay, so maybe we can work to kind of get that into the targets. These things aren't even doing that for us. So maybe <laughs> we should evaluate. Very well said. All right, this is a pretty scary thing that I've been seeing still now in late 2022. Uh, you know, I'll see great products, nice market share, like really good product market fit, strong sponsored products, you know, good auto structure, good uh, manual structure, no creative ad types. And what I mean by creative ad types, not running sponsored brand video. Mm -hmm. um, that's like, who this this feeling of like this unnerving, spine chilling feeling of like, whoa, you could have had a campaign that probably performs better than average in your account, mm -hmm. scooped up loads of revenue, but you didn't have, you weren't running any sponsored brand video. Uh, mm -hmm. And that is like, you know, the sort of like blood curdling things that we are trying to avoid here uh, as PPC optimizers, as like people that mm -hmm. try to grow Amazon campaigns, take advantage of, you know, I wouldn't even say sponsored brand video is new at this point, but take yeah. <laughs> advantage of all ad types. Try your best to have conversations, to listen to content, to figure out like where this new content fits into your workflow. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this just happened like two weeks ago. A great account, no sponsored brand video. And it was like a fantastic account, really strong ACOS. So like the percent chance 
that this person will launch a sponsor brand video campaign and have it just absolutely crush I would say it's like better than 90% chance. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to check back in with that person and be like, how awesome is the sponsor brand video <laughs> stuff? Uh, but yeah, so those, that kind of ad type, I think is pretty scary. Uh, are you, are you also experiencing that kind of uh, thing where it's just like, Oh, that would have yeah. been awesome if we were running that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I've talked with some people who are in some pretty high level groups and I think there's sort of this um, maybe misconception about the place of sponsor brands and sponsor men's video and sponsor what do you mean? display. Meaning I will concede the fact that if you are trying to rank on a specific keyword, sponsored product ads tend to give you the biggest lift. Okay. Let's phrase it like that. Um, so there's this kind of murmurings I've heard that do we really need sponsored brands? I know everyone tells us to run it. I know Amazon's telling us to run it. I know, you know, everybody, all the reps are pushing it. Is that, you know, like, and of course there's some distrust there. If Amazon's sure. pushing something, like, why do I actually need this? And, and I have seen accounts that were, I would say massively overbuilt in terms of sponsor brands video and massively underbuilt in terms of sponsored product ads. And that brand actually was struggling with rankings. Um, I think mostly because mm. they, they, and when I say overbuilt, yeah, define I'm talking, that, define that. Yeah, I'm talking like 80% of spend going to sponsor brands video and nothing else because the conversion oh, wow. rates were good and they were struggling to convert elsewhere. Which, in my opinion, I think that's probably the root cause was because if you're not converting well on the search page, are you going to be favored? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, does that mean that we should ignore these creative ad types? I would say no, not by any means. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's a couple reasons for that. One is if you run a sponsored product ad, yes, it is in an ad placement. Yes, you can get placement somewhere else. You, your listing does not look any different than anyone else on the page. There's no way to differentiate other than, you know, obviously the typical differentiation we want to do with, you know, like you should have a good product, you should stand out from the market, those kind of things. But like, aside from that, we're simply like placing the product in a grid that looks no different. We have no way to call out special features of the product. We have no way to showcase that we've added this new widget to the pack that all of a sudden elevates the customer experience. You have no way to showcase your brand. And a lot of the trends on Amazon have been trying to give sellers more and more creative controls when it comes to actually growing a brand. And we're seeing now brands that have started on Amazon being acquired and exiting because they've built that Mm -hmm. brand. And I can guarantee you one of the things that they're leveraging is sponsored brands as well as the display creatives that are starting to come out. And then the other thing is that yes, leveraging ads for ranking is a huge part of running ads. I don't wanna say that's not important, but is that the only important thing that you can leverage for ads? I think if that's all that you're focused on, you're going to miss out on a huge chunk of just generating very profitable sales, which can lead to lower total ACoS numbers. And then also things like your BSR and the bestseller badges, those are based on sales volume. Those are not based on ranking on individual keywords. So yes, 
Again, I will concede that if you are like, I need to rank on this specific search page, maybe put that in an exact match, very isolated. Again, good control campaigns. I think that is a valid strategy, but I, you know, sponsor brands and sponsor brands video will sort of kind of add to that pot as well. And then again, there's a whole host of other benefits you get from running these ad types that if you're ignoring them, you're gonna end up falling farther and farther behind. Super interesting, yeah. I And my approach to sponsor brand video is always like, let's get more juice from our best keywords mm-hmm. that we already yeah. rank for. So like seeing those ranking keywords, like mm-hmm. hopefully, or maybe I should say like your best converting, your lowest ACOS keywords, looking at sponsor brand video as a way to get more juice out of that is Absolutely. always how I like to play with sponsored brands in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just get more juice out of the things that are already kicking as opposed to like, using sponsored brands as a spot for like keyword research. Like mm-hmm. I'll reserve that for sponsored products and then only graduate up my very best terms into those more creative ad types. Yeah, I, w- I would say we use something very similar. And then the other thing is, so each ad type will have different performance on different keywords. It's just mm-hmm. like the name of the game. Um, and so as Amazon opens up more and more placements for these creatives, um, if you're not, if you haven't already done those tests, like it's very similar to, oh, I want to run sponsored brands. Okay. So how do I do this? Okay. Let's go look at sponsored products and kind of migrate that. Um, you might also say like, Hey, I know that this placement works very well. Well, now this sponsor brands video is showing up on page one, bottom of page two, et cetera, et cetera. Where before it was like one placement. Now it's the bottom of the page as well. So as Amazon expands these, you've already done your testing. So it's very easy to like put on the gas just here because Mm -hmm. I I know I'm making safe bets where if you're doing these from scratch, is that a good bet? Maybe, but you haven't tested it. So it's not as easy to like just pump what you need to when the time comes. Ooh, this one is (laughs) pure horror, pure, pure, pure horror, scary movie. This has happened. Uh, Someone's launched sponsored display it's got an insane ACOS. You know, mm-hmm. their normal account average is 30%, but their sponsored display they just launched is like in the 10%. Mm-hmm. And they say, look how good this is. And you dig a little deeper. They're doing cost per impression. And that ACOS is actually the views and clicks. Mm-hmm. So that means that... Uh, People actually didn't click. That, that wasn't a 10% ACoS from clicks. It just means it loaded on the page. Yes. Uh, so there's some ambiguity as to it's possible that they would have converted anyway without the ad placement. So I think this, not to say that you shouldn't run sponsored display, but it's scary if you think that's, if you're, it's scary if you're using that number to like, factor in your account level a cost or like your per campaign level a cost so that is Mm -hmm. incredibly horrifying to discover to discover that that's a jump scare that's a jump scare yeah it is because it's and this jump scare is not like with a lot of the other ones it's that we're finding good or bad numbers and you're like oh no i didn't realize that this was running somewhere this is almost kind of like 
gaining a full understanding behind the curtains so the numbers that honestly look good like you might have checked them and been happy and you know continuously increasing budgets here um you're you suddenly gain an understanding of how this ad type works and why what you're seeing may not be i wouldn't say the truth it's not that the numbers are calculated incorrectly it's they're calculated in a different way mm-hmm. and you need to better understand what that means. So it might it might be good to go into it. So a, a paper impression model basically means like I am telling Amazon I'm willing to pay this amount per I think it's thousand impressions. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so it's different than a cost per click. We're not paying per click. We're paying for how many thousand impressions Amazon can get for us. And the way that these sales are calculated is if the ad is viewed anywhere on the page um, from where the purchase is being created. And I want to say the view has to be like, I think it's like one, is it one? I know I went and read the literature and I'm trying to pull up that information. It's very short. It's it's like a very, it's like a one second and it's not even a full, um, they have to have viewed it. I think I want to say it's for one second and or less. And then they have to view, I want to say it's like 80% of the ad. So it doesn't even have to be like 100% load. of. And I, I want to say it's 80%. It could be 80 or 90. Something along those lines where it's like almost all of the ad, but not all of it. So if the page loads and that ad is just sitting there, even if they did not glance in that direction, it technically loaded on the page. So then if they click and then purchase, you know, maybe they find your product somewhere else um, within the course of their perusings and then they end up purchasing it well that purchase is going to be attributed to that ad load may not necessarily um be the thing that directly got them to your page in the first place because they're they're not again they're not registering that click they're registering registering that pay load and you know view for impression models have been active on other platforms before it's not a new model it's just new to the amazon platform so people who are only familiar with amazon advertising might not fully understand what this means and actually i heard a um a strategy where someone said that they were doing brand defensive campaigns with a um, cost per impression model. And the way that works is if you're doing a brand defensive campaign, you're advertising on your own products. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that there's a purchase within your catalog. It still registers as a purchase for your account. So basically, if your own ASIN views, but they're already on your page, so they're going to click and purchase anyways, then that's going to register like as a sale that was attributed to an ad when oh, were, totally. they, were they really there, you know, because of your ad or were they just there on the page before? Totally. And so your numbers are going to look amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, are the ads really the root cause of driving those sales? And actually, I was talking to the internal sponsor display team, and they said quite a few times, like, we do not recommend you using a cost per impression model to advertise your cross-sell products. It's just, you should use another ad type so you can get a better understanding of the actual attributions of, of your ads. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, Elizabeth, number 10. Conversion rates. Tell us about what what can be scary about conversion rates. 
Yes, conversion rates are huge. And conversion rates, um, what we're talking about here is like average product conversion rates. So like mm -hmm. unit session percentage is often uh, referred to in the business reports. Um, and here we're specifically talking about tracking it over time. Um, hopefully you're paying attention to your conversion rates. Uh, that's super, super important uh, because you really want to know how your product is resonating with the market and how many people are actually moving from a click to a purchase. I like, think that's pretty mm -hmm. important. Um, but oftentimes, if maybe you just check it once every so often or once a quarter, or maybe you're sort of kind of keeping a pulse on your catalog or like, ah, six months ago, I was this, I'm probably still around, you know, like a 10%. And then maybe if you went in and checked it, you might think, oh, goodness, you know, my, it, I'm down to like 7%, 5%, like what, what in mm -hmm. the world is going on? Um, so being able to track this over time, um, and that goes kind of back to like analyzing your place in the market. Like how mm -hmm. well are you converting in your market now? And how well were you converting a month ago? And then eventually, like as you sort of gain this insight, if you're tracking it over time, you should be start to starting to look at, okay, so this is what I'm doing here. And these were my trends last year. And a lot of times this can actually clue you into seasonality. Mm -hmm. um, we have several brands, you know, it might be clothing brands. If you're selling um, a sweater, are you gonna convert well in July? Probably not. Um, which is logical in that sense, but a lot, of, a lot of times you can kind of start to see, okay, so I know around this time this year, my conversion rate drops, which will have a huge impact on how your ads are performing. Because, you know, if you're paying for clicks, less of those clicks are converting, you're just going to naturally end up with a higher A cost. And so if you kind of start to like flesh out what that picture looks like over time, it also, you know, one, you can, again, just kind of see how you're doing in the market. And then two, you can start to anticipate times and things that will happen throughout the year um, and use that to influence strategy ahead of time before you start, oh my goodness, I had an ACOS spike. Well, I expected it this year and so maybe I adjusted for that. Mm -hmm. And this also connects very well with the campaign structure too. So mm -hmm. uh, as well as where you fit into the market as well. So you the way that it can get scary here is you're you're not tra not paying attention to mm -hmm. conversion rate at all then the next thing would be tracking it only at the account level mm -hmm. uh, and then the next thing would be not understanding you know where the conversion rate is going in the market mm -hmm. uh, and you know we have tools like the product opportunity uh, explorer now which will clue you in in terms of mm -hmm. like how are my competitors conversion rates uh, moving up and down. Where do I stand relative to my competitors for conversion rate? And mm -hmm. then when you observe that, that's still only an account level metric. So then you want to go down deeper. Like where do I have strong conversion rates? Campaign structure. Let me amplify those areas. Let me come up with a campaign structure where I can amplify my highest converting products and you know bid optimize my lowest converting products. Like all of those things are very important to think about. So yeah, that, mm -hmm. that last one is connected to a lot of different yeah. things. I, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, we've done it. We've covered yes. 10 scary, frightening, terrifying, horrifying things. What do you think is the scariest thing that we covered today? Oh, well, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of ones that in and of themselves, I think I find more 
and more mm-hmm. heart dropping when like you come across like the negatives like it's if you come across like 200 clicks and no sales like that's probably more heart palpitating than a placement that's a little out of whack but mm-hmm. honestly i would say that the scariest because it's just so all-encompassing would be the inactivity yeah i was gonna say the same thing because like so many things go wrong so like when we think of scary i'm thinking of like uh the kids from it walking into the the house <laughs> where the clown lives uh and then um yeah it the house hasn't been touched in so long there's mm-hmm. cobwebs everywhere it's dark there's things hiding in the shadows inactivity is probably the scariest thing here uh, so on the flip side, to shine light onto this darkness, like be active in your accounts. It's something mm-hmm. that we talk about a ton on the show. Like you should have a project management board. You should write down on a timer, like in your project management tool, like once a week, I'm going to look at my search term report to check for a uh, percentage of ad spend without orders, like things of that mm-hmm. nature you really want to pay attention to. So yeah. use that to fight against the spookiness. It's October Halloween. Uh, Elizabeth, are you a fan of scary movies? I am not. I am not. Do you have any Halloween traditions? Eat candy. Amen to that. (laughs) Uh, We're going to leave you with that here on the PBC Den podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a good one. And Elizabeth Green of Jungler, thank you so much for coming onto the show, sharing your expertise, sharing your experience. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I'm uh, privileged to be able to call you a friend. Yes, absolutely. Have a good one. And everyone else, I'll see you next time here on the PPC Den Podcast.